In our Lenten feast so far, we have had a meal at the reading of Isaac reflecting future promise, and then one marking a treaty of peace in the land made possible through forgiveness. The passage today is the second of a set of four reunions of one family, though at this stage only Joseph is aware of what is going on. It is about rebuilding relationships with the generosity of God's love. I imagine that uh, many of us are looking forward to a time of our own family reunions, a time that it may be safe to meet each other face to face, to, to hug, to share something of the last year, maybe to, to cry and, of course, to share in a meal. With it very nearly a year since some form of restriction was first introduced, that wait has been long and, for many, heartbreaking. But there is hope on the horizon, as there is in our reading. The family of Jacob, Israel, have also been through hard times. Canaan has been a place of famine, but to the south, Egypt was able to weather the same disaster. And thanks to the interpretation of the Pharaoh's dreams and then the national crisis leadership of Joseph, that land had managed to continue. Most of us will be familiar with how uh, this Israelite, Joseph, came to be in such a position. Uh, the favouritism of a father, uh, the dreams showing sheaves of corn bending down, brothers selling him to be a slave, falsely imprisoned for a crime he did not commit, and then pardoned with the king's ring on his finger and a gold chain around his neck. Riches to rags and back to riches. Uh, these episodes were not by chance, but God used various circumstances to further the future of the family of Israel. That is not to say the Lord had wanted Joseph to suffer years in prison or for a devastating famine to hit the Middle East and North Africa. But God allowed for a positive outcome when these things happened. He planned for the survival and for the growth of his people, despite the natural disaster that was coming. God put in place a way for the famine to be survived, not just by a family of believers, but also by a nation that didn't know the Lord. They were able to, to grow in challenging times. In such challenging times, God puts upon the hearts and minds of faithful individuals what they may do in response, how they may serve God such that the kingdom grows, how they can be community champions or even international champions reflecting the Father's love. The brothers have given Joseph up for dead. Even at this second meeting, they, they don't recognise him in all his finery. But Joseph 
knows them and wonders about them. When younger, they were cruel. They were thinking of themselves. They had not lived with love. But are they now different? He hopes they are. All the same, he holds no animosity and has already shown great mercy. Many of us will have known all family disagreements. It's not just royal families that have fallings out. And although theirs are perhaps more public, we ourselves may have had disputes closer to home. Brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts, parent and child or other relations that go their separate ways. I wonder if when there has been a family split, even if we feel we are the wronged one, whether we can be the one that is willing to hold an olive branch to, to invite to a meal, to a family occasion, or are we the ones with our backs turned? Our Heavenly Father is always ready to renew relationships and awaits those who have gone astray with outstretched arms to seek the family's togetherness. It is right that we reflect this forgiveness in our own families. Eleven men sit at a table. Ten are half-brothers of Joseph, but Joseph shared a mother with Jacob's youngest son. Rachel, who died at the time of Benjamin's birth, was the only woman Jacob truly loved. And so in the sons of Joseph and Benjamin, Jacob was trying to keep something of the past alive, but in so doing had brought pain. In grief of Rachel, he'd brought division. But in his grieving of Joseph's loss, thinking that he was dead, an awareness came to the other children of Israel, and they sought not to cause further distress, further pain. They had grown older. They were not the men they had been, but had grown to understand that actions have consequences. And they perhaps understood something more of grief. And they certainly, as a result of famine, knew that life was not always easy. They had travelled with gifts, hoping for the best and trusting in the mercy of God. And Joseph welcomes them with a feast, a feast that they did not deserve. But he brings them to a banqueting table. He seats them in order of age, as was the custom. But first, he says, directed at Benjamin, God be gracious to you, my son. And then this the youngest receives, as Danny was saying, a very generous portion. Nothing is made of this by the brothers. Sure, they saw it, but there's no grumbling or groaning. They raise an eyebrow, perhaps, but they do not raise a fist. When we have enough ourselves, do we still stamp the foot at times and go, it's not fair, others having more? Or are we mature to accept that 
different blessings may fall on others and rejoice that they have been blessed in that way rather than be jealous of them. And are we ready to be generous in how we pour out something of God's love? How we share that experience that we might know that although we don't deserve it, we are offered a seat at the banquet. The account of reunion is not complete in this passage. It, it, it takes another three chapters for the story beyond this. And perhaps that reminds us that not everything in life is instant. Paths into the rebuilding of relationships can take time. But with honesty and integrity, with patience and forgiveness, mercy and grace, with abundance of love, healing can happen and great things can be achieved. Amen.